and welcome to the Box Check Podcast. Wrapping up the second week of the college football season. And it was an interesting one. Thank you for joining me. My name is Brock Myers. I'll be your host. And I tell you what, we learned quite a bit about a few teams. And we've had some interesting developments. Specifically when it comes to Notre Dame, who has now lost their starting quarterback for the season. And... Maybe a few teams that were a little overrated that we're gonna get to a little bit later. But I tell you what, man, it's it, you know, and it, and we talked about this when we previewed this weekend that early on there wasn't gonna be too much going on, and there really wasn't. Outside of one game in particular, it's a game we're gonna talk about a little bit later. But really, early on, you didn't have a lot going on. But when prime time happened. Prime time gave us almost too much to watch. Of course, there was Oregon, Michigan State. Uh, Oklahoma, Tennessee turned out to be a great one. LSU, Mississippi State came right down to the end. There was a lot going on when you hit those those primetime games. And, and if you are a college football fan, as you should be if you're listening to this, uh, definitely kept you on your seat, kept you interested. And, and I talked about how those three primetime games were really kind of, you couldn't go wrong with either of them. And all three of them definitely, definitely were worth watching and were great games. And then you had, late in the night, BYU once again. BYU coming up with, it, it wasn't exactly a Hail Mary this time, but it might as well have been. And, and if somehow BYU can kind of start playing well, start playing better, not giving themselves, you know, having to, to win late in the game, if, if, if Mangum keeps playing really well, he's got now a couple of Heisman Trophy moments. And it's, you always see this with, with Heisman Trophy winners, especially as of late, is a lot of times you'll see these redshirt freshmen that nobody was talking about at the beginning of the season because they're redshirt freshmen. Suddenly, they're they're in the Heisman Trophy contention, and they're winning. You think of how, uh, the, the, about Johnny Manziel when he won and Jameis Winston when they won Heisman Trophies, both of them redshirt freshmen who uh, weren't on anyone's radar at the beginning of the season. Mangum might be making his case now at BYU. But he's, he's going to have to keep this up, and that's going to be the toughest part, is actually keeping this kind of play up. and uh, Because now everyone's going to have his number. Everyone's going to be looking out for him, trying to make sure that they don't fall into the same trap that so many other teams have fallen into. But let's actually get to some games and, and really kind of break down, really kind of, I think, the, the three the three most interesting games are the three games I think are worth talking about. And, I mean, if we're going to start with, with a game that's worth talking about, it's the game everyone was looking forward to going into the season, at least as far as non-conference play. It's it's where game day was at. 
and, and the whole nation was watching. The final score from East Lansing, Michigan State 31, Oregon 28. And I'm telling you right now, if you watch that game without the scoreboard being shown, if ESPN didn't have, or ESPN ABC didn't have the graphic up showing you the score and you were just watching the game, You'd have thought Oregon probably would have gotten blown out. It it looked like it. I mean, somehow, some way, Oregon was able to stay in the game throughout. In in it was kind of in the second half. It started looking iffy when they got down ten, and had to come back. Which is probably what what really killed them was getting down. Uh, as late as they did, and they had to really play a lot of catch up. But they were right there. They were right there, and and there was a lot of talk going into this game about Vernon Adams Jr., uh, kind of a late-breaking story. It really didn't break until Saturday that he had injured his right index finger uh, last week against Eastern Washington, and so he wasn't 100% coming into the game. And I think there were times during this game that you saw the the hand I mean there was the one time obviously when he got hit and he was showing it but if you look at some of the throws even before that you could tell he didn't have a great grip on the ball he, his throws were a little off at times and he was struggling a little bit with that but that being said one of the things I think that we learned about Vernon Adams Jr is yeah he's small yeah he doesn't throw the best ball that you see you, you, get, you know that ball wobbles quite a bit and a lot some of that might have been the index finger, but you saw some of that if you watch some of his stuff at Eastern Washington. He doesn't always, his ball's not always tight. It's a little wobbly, and you saw a lot of that. And you saw some mistakes that he made. But at the end of the day, what we saw was Vernon Adams is a competitor. And Vernon Adams doesn't give up on games. And Vernon Adams, more times than not, will find a way to make a play when he needs to make a play. He was extremely bipolar in this game. There was a point, I think Oregon had a, a third and 15, or third and ridiculously long, and Adams finds Byron Marshall on the sideline, puts the ball in, in the tightest of windows with two defenders on Marshall, and Marshall able to get uh, a foot down just in time to give Oregon a first down. And it was a, a, a one of those plays, not, not a lot of quarterbacks can make a throw like that. But then at the same time, you have a situation with about a minute and a half left in the game. Oregon with the ball down three, an opportunity to either tie it or even take the lead. And again, it's Byron Marshall who is wide open in the end zone. The defender tripped, uh, kind of tripped over his own two feet, and Marshall's wide open, and Vernon Adams overthrows him. Probably got a little bit too excited when he saw that. Oh my God! I, I it's my guy, but I got a receiver, and he just he, you get too excited over through it. You almost saw a little glimpses, almost like he was a freshman 
uh, with something like that. That's one of those freshman mistakes, and 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 you can kind of argue he is somewhat still a freshman in the fact that he he's playing you know one A football or FBS football for the first time in his career, but he's still he's still a senior. He still played college football, and as much as FCS isn't you know the the same, he's still playing at a higher level. But man, he made some he made some freshman mistakes, especially for being a senior. And, and I was kind of getting a, a little upset. I hate that Kirk Herbstreit was constantly referring to him as a rookie, like a rookie quarterback. And I almost thought that was like downgrading him. Uh, but at times in this game, he looked like a rookie. You could also see. I think he's he's struggling throwing crossing routes somewhat because and a lot of that is his height. He's having to reach his arm as high as possible to get it, and that can kind of affect where the ball's going. And that was struggling. And there were times you could see when he tried scrambling and and it wasn't there. And if you watch again, coming into the season, I was watching a lot of his highlights from his time at Eastern Washington, and he would do this a lot. Play would break down, he'd find a, a room, he'd kind of cut back, and he just all he had to do was get past the defensive line and he was gone. And he was trying to do the same plays, the same kind of plays in this, except that Michigan State, you know, th- that's not Northern Arizona you're playing anymore. This isn't, you know, Portland State. Michigan State's defensive front was ready for it. They're a lot faster, so he wasn't able to make those plays. He wasn't able to break off of tackles like he's been able to do in the past. And that's where uh, they kind of ran into some problems. And a lot of these were on second and short, third and short. And and if he breaks past that one tackle, he's gone for a big game. And I thought that there were times, and, and this was not just Vernon Adams. This was a lot of Oregon players were doing this. I thought Oregon wasn't trusting their speed enough. I saw times where you just keep running to the sideline and getting a foot race with the defender, you're going to get a first down or you're going to get an extra five yards, but instead they would try to cut back on defenders. Vernon Adams did this probably more than anybody. He would cut back at times that I didn't think it was necessary to cut back. And again, it's something that he would do a lot at Eastern Washington because he could get away with it going up against a defense that's not as fast. And he would make a move on a defensive lineman at that level and get past him, and yeah, he'd get a bigger gain. I think... and. And Oregon coaches are probably going to go over this in film, probably telling him, listen, this is a situation where if you just run to the sidelines, trust your speed, trust that you're faster than this defender, we got a first down and boom, we've got a whole new set of downs. You don't always have to get a touchdown on every play. Getting a first down is good enough. Get get yourself a fresh set of downs to then set up something bigger. I thought Oregon's defense... uh, they were good at times. They they were good against the run outside of, you know, the first run of the game for Michigan State that I think went 76 yards. But after that, they really, I thought, handled Michigan State's uh, rushing, def- or rushing offense pretty well. Uh, could have been better, but, I mean, considering that that's kind of Michigan State's known for is having those big guys up front, I thought Connor Cook uh, really kind of, Hurt Oregon secondary a lot. Oregon secondary still struggling. Uh, there were a few times Oregon's defense had a time had had a chance to make plays, had a chance to make turnovers, and they didn't do it. So, 
given everything that happened, I, I'm still shocked that Oregon only lost by three because I would have thought it, the game was much, much worse. I would have thought it was a 10-point loss, a 14-point loss, or 17-point loss if you were watching that game without looking at the scoreboard. And Oregon was right there. And, and I said it before that Oregon losing to Michigan State's not going to kill their playoff chances, especially if they show, uh, have a strong showing in a loss, which they did. Oregon really kind of came out of this game with exactly what they needed to do. They hung tight on the road against the top five team when your quarterback has only been with the team for, for a month. And I think Vernon Adams is only going to get better. And I think uh, as the season goes on for Oregon, he's going to start showing uh, more glimpses of greatness. You know, they've got uh, Georgia State next week, so an opportunity for him to kind of get get a little bit more in rhythm. After that, they do have to play Utah, but they get Utah at home. So, and Utah is not as athletic defensively as Michigan State is. So... Uh, I think that it's going to be a little bit easier uh, for for Vernon Adams to kind of make plays. And, 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 and Michigan State, I tell you what, Michigan State got the win that they needed. They got a little bit of redemption. You could tell watching these guys, they wanted to win this game. This was a game they had circled on their schedule before the season started. And now that they've won that game, they got that monkey off their back, they don't really have a test until, I'd say, October 17th when they go to Michigan. And Michigan's a team we still don't know a lot about. They had an impressive win over Oregon State, but Oregon State's a team that's going to struggle this year. But at least it was good for Harbaugh to kind of get a win under his belt. And and after Michigan, you probably aren't going to see a tough game until Ohio State uh, on November 21st. Because, again, they have to go on the road. they got to go to the horseshoe. But Michigan State, at least now, knows that they can beat a, a top-10 team. They know that they can fight through some adversity. You know, the defense had to make plays, and the defense did. Defense got a little lucked out sometimes with that with that overthrown pass. But for the most part, they were making plays. They didn't let a playmaker at quarterback d- kill them. They filled their gaps really well defensively, and that's, that's why Vernon Adams wasn't able to make plays. You didn't see a lot of over-pursuit by the Michigan State defense, which is going to be helpful when you go up against Ohio State. You got to make sure that you're you're continue playing defense the way you should be playing. So Michigan State's got a very good opportunity now to uh, have an argument, a very good argument for making it to the college football playoff. And I still think that Oregon, if they can run, they've got, they're probably going to run the table from here on out. But if they do, they're going to have an argument because I tell you what, there's one team that won this past Saturday. And if I'm an Oregon fan, I'll take the loss to Michigan State over this team's win.
it was an ugly one. But at the end of the day, Auburn Tigers 27, Jacksonville State 20 in an overtime thriller, if you want to call it that. This is embarrassing if you're Auburn. This is just, it, it's, Jacksonville State is not exactly a powerhouse program, even at the FCS level. And the fact that you had to come back just to tie it, to send it into overtime, this does not look good so far for the Auburn Tigers. Last week, they had a close game against Louisville, but you could have chalked some of that up to first game jitters and, and Louisville not being a bad team. Yeah, we'll work through some stuff. But but against Jacksonville State? And now there there's some rumblings that, you know, some people think Jeremy Johnson might be, you know, should we look at if, if Auburn should be looking for a different quarterback? Because uh, he didn't have a great game. Uh, 21 of 32, 236 yards, but two interceptions. Because uh, Auburn, Auburn with three turnovers total, and that's what was kind of killing him, especially early on. But I, I, you've got to be embarrassed. And if next week they've got to go play LSU, and if they think that they're going to walk into, I think they got yeah, they've got to go to Death Valley. They're going to go into Death Valley with playing the way they just played. It's going to be ugly for Auburn. Now I still think Auburn. Is going to end up having a good season, but I, I you know, I said at the preseason, I think that you know, I, I still say they're going to win the SEC West. As ugly as this game was, teams can survive bad games like this, and even if they lose to LSU, because I still said no SEC West team is going to come out undefeated, and I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't an SEC West team with less than two losses. So, I'm not 100% surprised by this. And, and and the problem is they they better compete with LSU at the very at the very least. There's a chance they could get blown out, and if they get blown out of this one, that'll be tough to come back from. So hopefully they can work out for their own, for, you know for themselves. They hopefully they'll work out whatever's going wrong because they're gonna need to. Auburn needs to play a lot better if they think they're going to win the SEC, if they think they're going to get a college football playoff spot. But not not a strong showing for the Tigers. So, uh or yeah, for so we'll see what happens next week. That LSU game now has gotten a lot more interesting. 
And, and now it comes down to it, it might not be a great game, but now we got to see just how good are both of these teams. LSU had, I thought, a, a really good win against Mississippi State again. I didn't think they were going to win that one. But they pulled it out. They pulled it out late. And again, they, they jumped out to an early lead that Mississippi State had to had to play from behind. And, and it's usually pretty difficult to do that, even at home. Even at home, which Mississippi State was. So we'll we'll see how things go down next weekend in Death Valley. And I tell you what, next weekend is going to be really the the interesting uh, an interesting week. Is really we start getting some really good uh, SEC matchups. I believe uh, Game Day has said that they're going to be uh, in Alabama for the Alabama Ole Miss game. So, so next week's looking looking pretty strong. But there's one more game I really want to talk about because, uh, again, it, it was it was a tight one. It was an overtime an overtime thriller, as they like to say. And and it, it was it was scaring me for a little bit. The final score from Knoxville in overtime. Oklahoma thirty one. Tennessee 24. And Baker Mayfield, welcome to the National Spotlight, because now you finally got it. In a game that looked like early on, it was gonna it was gonna be rough for the Sooners. Tennessee jumped out to a quick 17-0 lead, I think about three minutes into the second quarter. Oklahoma was only able to get a field goal right before halftime to give themselves some uh, some sort of momentum, some something positive to look forward to. And then the third quarter wasn't much better, but Mayfield brought him back. Got two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to tie it up. And pulled out a victory. And again, early on in the season, you got to remember, this is a game where Oklahoma was going on the road to an SEC team with a lot of hype and a home environment that's very difficult to play when you're an opposing team. Neyland Stadium is no joke. So I, th- I think the fact that Oklahoma was able to come back on the road in Neyland Stadium and a crowd that was on fire after Tennessee jumped out to that early lead. I think that shows a lot about Oklahoma and it, it makes me feel a lot better for saying that I believe Oklahoma is going to be a college football playoff team. Because sometimes these, those ugly games... Kind of, they, they teach you a lot about yourself, but now when you look at their schedule again, 
We talked about how the Big 12 has scheduled teams this season. They don't have, I, would, I wouldn't say that Oklahoma has a tough game till they've got to play Baylor on, in, on November 14th. Texas is looking like an easier and easier game. That was one I thought might be kind of rough for them in the Red River rivalry. But now, Texas is not showing me what I thought they would. I thought they'd be a lot better at year two under Charlie Strong, but they're still not there. And and no one else in, in the Big 12. I mean, Oklahoma gets Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State all at the end of the season. So a chance for, for Mayfield to to fix some of the, some of his issues and you know cuz he didn't look good early on you know you got to look 19 uh for 39 he had two interceptions but you know it, he kind of came back in the fourth that's where a lot of those a lot of those 187 yards kind of came in the fourth and and all three touchdowns were either in the fourth quarter or overtime and Dobbs struggled uh, in the second half for Tennessee after he got a bit of a lead. And that's got to scare you if you're Tennessee. The way the way your team played after getting a big lead like that, you can't do that when you're playing in the SEC. Even in the SEC East. Uh, they got to travel to Georgia on October 10th. And then two weeks later, they go to, or they get Georgia at home, but then two weeks later, they travel to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. You, you've got to learn that when you get that lead, you've got to make sure you don't give it up. That's going to kill you every time as a football team. And maybe Tennessee learned that lesson. If not, it's going to be a rough season for them. So that's going to be it for us, though. Again, I thought it was a great weekend, and we got another great weekend coming up. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter, at BoxCheckPod. Uh, kind of got some running thoughts uh, as I'm watching games. Uh, and also make sure you guys are liking the Facebook page, facebook.com slash BoxCheckPodcast. Leave a comment with your thoughts on the weekend. Who do you think had a Who do you think had a great weekend? Who do you think had a bad weekend? Also, don't forget to email us, BoxCheckPodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We're going to be coming back on Wednesday. We're probably going to look at the polls. We're going to look at probably the Notre Dame uh, quarterback situation. Now that Zaire's out for the year. A whole lot to look at on Wednesday. And then, of course, on Friday, we're going to be previewing the upcoming weekend. whole lot of fun stuff coming on. So make sure you guys are subscribed on iTunes so you can get the updates loaded automatically into your phone. And I'll see you guys Wednesday.